Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We will be looking in chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right there in the New Testament. Starting in verse 9. Now Paul starts by remembering his time with the people of the churches of Philippi. And when he gets to verse 9, he changes from remembering and yearning to be with them by saying, and it is my prayer. And so he is praying for them. He is praying for the people of that church. Now it's very easy to skip over those words and to go into, oh, well, I need to be pure and blameless and all that kind of stuff. But if you look at what it means when Paul prays, that has implications. An example is I know a couple people who claim to be very strong believers in Jesus Christ, but they do not go to church. And so I've invited them to church, and then I started praying that God would lead them to church or bring somebody into their life to invite them to church, something would happen to break through that barrier and get them into church because only in church can true Christian growth occur. When I started praying about it, I stopped inviting them. I stopped calling them because I now put it in God's bucket. If it is in God's bucket and I say, well, I'm going to let God work on it, but I am also going to work on it, then I have half of it in God's bucket, half of it in my bucket. If I give something fully, completely, and totally to God, then I no longer have responsibility. Now, God may and usually does say, I will answer this prayer by prompting you to invite them, by prompting you to give money here, by prompting you to call this way. But if I make those choices, if I say, I'm going to give it to God, and then I start making choices, I haven't given it to God. And so what Paul is doing is he is putting their spiritual growth in God's hands. Now, he doesn't stop the book right there. He keeps writing about what it means to be growing spiritually. But he knows that little Sally and Jonathan and Larry at the church of Philippi are only going to grow if God impacts them, if God empowers them through the Holy Spirit. So when Paul says, abound in love, he's not yelling at them, saying, work harder, abound in love. 
He knows that if any change is going to take place in their life, God is going to have to do it. And so he gives it over to God. And as has been said, there is no rebuke. There is no correction anywhere in the book of Philippians because he has given their spiritual care into the hands of God. Now in a church, we all talk about things and problems are brought up and people say, I can't do this or I don't want to do that or this is good. And we share things and we pray for one another. What we need to do in a church is once I pray about it and give it totally over to God, I can now be supportive. All judgment is now in God's hands. All correction is now in God's hands. I can be fully supportive and encouraging and how can I help in a church situation because God is now doing all the heavy lifting. And so that's what it means when Paul says, I'm praying for you in this way. And what he's praying for in a simple word is spiritual growth. He's praying for their Christian walk. He wants them to be better Christians. He wants them to walk closer with God. Uh, today we use the word spiritual formation. Uh, he wants to point them in a certain way. There are all sorts of words. You look online or look in the bookstore and there's all sorts of words that people say today to mean you're one kind of Christian here, sometime later you're better at it. Whether it is reading the Bible more or praying more or behavior is changed, he is praying for their spiritual growth. He wants them to be better Christians. And so the first thing he talks about is love. He prays that your love may abound more and more. Now the word love is agape love. It is God's love. If I stand here and in my own strength try to feel some sort of affection for somebody or feel some sort of good feelings, Modern movies may call that love, some sort of affection, but God's love is agape love. It is supernatural. I do not have it naturally. If I go out and find somebody who does not believe in God and I demand that they have agape love, that is an impossible task. It does not exist in human nature. It only exists in God. It is a supernatural love. You can only have it if you have the Holy Spirit. You only have the Holy Spirit if you believe fully and completely in the work and life of Jesus Christ. And so he says this love may abound more and more. Now there are some aspects of God's love, of agape love, that we get from the rest of Scripture. As I said, it is supernatural. It does not come as an emotional response. Secondly, it is proven by fact. You say, well, how do I know that God is love? Okay, the Bible says God is love. How do you prove it? Throughout Scripture, 
God is always functioning in response to believing humans through love. It is proven time and time and time again the reason that we exist and we're not wiped off the face of the earth as soon as Adam and Eve ate the fruit is because God is love, because God wants us to succeed and will motivate himself by love toward us. Secondly, <clears throat> love knows what to do and does it. Love sees needs. Uh, the example out of Scripture that is good is the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan operated out of love. He didn't operate out of duty. He didn't operate out of fear. He operated out of love. He saw the person beat up and took care of them and paid money to have things taken care of. And that is love. That was an act of love. He saw a need. He knew what God was about and he met the need. Love is dynamic. It says love may abound more and more. Love grows. I find new ways to apply the love that God has given me. And when we look at this, it isn't my love that I'm trying to apply. One good way of looking at it is I am a conduit of God's love that I am prompted to do loving things because Holy Spirit is within me. And love is also discerning. Love isn't just accepting of all things. Love knows what is good and advances what is good and advances what is true. And it continues in verse 10. It says, so that you may approve what is excellent. Excellent means the best, means top notch, uh, means that you can't get any better. Is basically the word for excellence. And approve means to examine, to test, to discern. One aspect of the word uh, approve is to put something out in the sunlight so that you can see it from all angles and you can see uh, like pottery. This word is applied to ancient potters and pottery who would try to sneak some things in by having wax fill the cracks of the pottery because they were shysters and they wanted your money. And if you take the pottery and you put it out in the sun, the wax would melt and you would see it. And so that aspect of putting something in the sun or clearly looking at it, and then you pick what is excellent, and this is not a a discerning of good versus evil. This is taking the good and finding the best of the good, finding the best of what God can do, not just settling for not sinning, but actually going for something that is good. And it says, so that you may approve what is excellent, uh, and it says in 9 that your love may abound with more knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. It takes knowledge to do this. And where do we get the knowledge? We get the knowledge by reading our Bible, by studying our Bible, by praying through what's in the Bible, by having good Bible teaching. There's all manner of great Bible teaching that is broadcast over the internet 
that you can get sermons from this famous pastor or that, you know, experienced person or this college class. You can get knowledge about how to live as a Christian and how to make these choices and how to have discernment. He then says, so that you may be blameless for the day of Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. The word blameless means morally blameless. It means if you are examined, whether it be your, your speech or your online life or how you act in public, the average person cannot bring any charges against you. That if you are, if I say, well, that person's a Christian, and people who know you would go, oh, yeah, I can see that. I don't really know what a Christian is, but that person doesn't seem to be morally corrupt. And so it's kind of a how the world sees things, which is acceptable. Today we are in a world where everything you say, somebody's offended by it, and you know, people aren't going to like you in general, as how the world seems to be. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, things that stick. Uh, there's all sorts of, if you look at my YouTube channel and my podcast channel on the Internet, every once in a while, these really nasty comments come out of nowhere, accusing me of all sorts of things. But they don't stick. You know, you wait a couple weeks, you wait a couple months, and, and they're not there anymore. And if things stick, if, if, if lots of people are saying, well, you're this way, and it's, you know, then it may stick. And if it sticks, then we need to fix it. We need to be uh, morally pure. We need to be able to function in society without letting the dirt of society affect us. Now, it's not talking about perfection. It's not talking about doing everything perfect. We all sin we all have a human nature, but we can avoid the stain of the world and be morally right and be morally blameless. Blameless meaning when the crowds come, when you are being presented and the crowds come, they can't throw anything at you and nothing will stick. Okay? That you've kept your nose clean, as it says. And, you know, when you look at the, the news of the politics... Nobody's keeping their nose clean. So we are different, you know, than the world. And this is also moral integrity, that I am not a hypocrite, that I am the same with this group and that group. I'm the same in the pulpit as I am at home. I in, have integrity. I have character that holds it all together that comes from the Holy Spirit. You can try to do this from your own strength and some people are very good with discipline but it is the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the strength to make the decisions and to go in the direction then it says filled with the spirit of righteousness um, oh, pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled the spirit of righteousness good works righteousness he's praying that they will do good things and you say, well, what's a good thing that someone needs to do? Well, you start with the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, in Galatians, there are nine fruit of the Spirit that every Christian has. You have love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, 
Self-control, did I leave out faithfulness? Faithfulness is in there somewhere. There's nine, okay? And these are attitudes. These are attributes. If I am faithful, if I say, yes, I'm faithful. God has made me faithful, fruit of the Spirit. And then you say, prove it. And things that I do, whether it is with my, my marriage or the church, I can show, well, I'm faithful here and I'm faithful here. I'm not blowing my own horn, but people want examples of what I say. I'm good, you know. They say, well, give me examples. And the good things we do, motivated by faithfulness, motivated by patience, motivated by self-control, motivated by kindness, these are the motivations behind the good things we do. And the non-Christian, your average non-believer that's out there, can't do that. They may do good, socially good works, but nothing that ultimately points to God, which is the last one. And that is what we do is glory to God. It says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I need to be able to look at what I've done in the day and say, did I give glory to me? Did I glorify myself, which is the other choice? Everybody out there has the choice. Do I glorify me or do I glorify God in what I do and what I choose? And so Paul is praying that God will cause these people to do these things. And when you look at the mechanics of what it takes to live this way, it comes down to choices and it comes down to discipline. What am I going to do? <coughs> Excuse me. What am I going to do this afternoon? What am I going to do this next week? And I can look. I don't look to beat myself up. I look to see what's God doing. Because God's not, you know, God just doesn't give up. God's always doing something. And I can say, am I increasing in knowledge? Am I increasing in discernment? And if I'm not, if I look and say, I've got no good works. I got nothing. And I can ask the question, Why? I say, Paul's over here and he's praying that I will have good works and I don't. Perhaps I need to start praying for God to show me what my obstacles are. I'll join Paul in his prayer for my good works, for my love, for my discernment. And there's, there's more in the book of Philippians about how we participate. <laughs> with God in what he's doing. But that's the basis of it there is I want to be a better Christian. <coughs> These people over here are praying for it. I will join them in prayer and I will pray about specific things. Paul didn't know what Larry in the church, perhaps what his major hang-up was, but Larry does. And Larry reads this and he goes, wow, Paul's praying for my good works. I can join him 
because I now know specifically what my hang-ups are. I know specifically what my obstacles are, and we join together. Paul's interceding, and I'm praying for myself, and with those, that going on, God is definitely going to move, and these people are going to grow in Christ. The more that Paul prays, the more they respond and pray to join him. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I thank you for this teaching that we can, in fact, be a better Christian, that we can, in fact, do more. And I pray that you would instill in our hearts and our minds what direction we go, what path we take to cause this to happen. Lord, we praise you for this and praise you for all that you're doing in our lives. We ask this in the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.